Hi, this is Jenna. And this is Kelly. And you're listening to ODFM. This episode is One Drink from Murder. This was one of the most sensational murder cases on the Western Slope in Grand Junction. And it occurred in 1946. And one of my dear friends from that side of the mountain is a relative of one of those involved in the story. So this is the story of Sam McMullen, who was 88 at the time in 1946. And 88? well, 88. He was not a spring chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Are you 88 too? Who says spring chicken? <laughs> what the hell? Uh, me. I'm close to 88. <laughs> what? Yeah. You look damn good then. Let me just tell you. Vampire blood. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it works. But he was a well-to-do prominent lawyer, a former district attorney. Because he's 88, he's no longer a district attorney. Oh, okay, former. And he was also a Grand Junction pioneer, meaning he had helped settle the area. Thus being as old as he was. Yeah. He's not around (laughs) to hear this at this time, so we're okay. It was a cold November morning when he, Sam. Hey, oh, he could come back and ha- he could come back and haunt you. True. Maybe that's well, why things are falling on me at this point. I'm just saying, you know, don't just assume. I was told at one point there is a portal in my basement, which is exactly where I'm at right now, recording. At the house you're in right now. Yeah, and I'm like, how is that possible? But okay, because it's like we we had it built. Like what? Five, six years ago. <laughs> so maybe the maybe it's on ancient burial grounds. Who told you that? It was a sailor. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, by the way, don't right. worry. And by the way, bonus in the basement. <laughs> bonus. There is a roughin for the for a bathroom and a portal. A portal to, to hell. Want to go to a different dimension? <laughs> yeah. It was a. And the previous owners are leaving it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know how you take it with you, but yeah. So somebody left it for us. The uh, medium, we had a medium that came to my shop one time and was doing readings of everyone. And at one point she said, oh, by the way, you have a portal in your basement. Do you ever feel weird things? And I was like, I feel surprisingly awesome when am I in the basement. So I don't know. I love the basement. So something's either wrong with me or... They're good spirits. I hope it's good spirits. I hope it's just not that you're just attached to the wrong spirits or what. I don't know, man. I don't know. I choose to be their friend. So as long as I'm good. There you go. Yeah. We're buddies down here. All right. So back to Sam. (laughs) Back to Sam. Sorry. So this was when it's a cold November morning. Sam gets up. He does as he always does. He pours himself a shot of bourbon. Isn't that what you do the first thing in the morning? I will now. Yeah, I mean, a great idea. But only a couple minutes later, he yells for his housekeeper, Jenny Wiley, to bring him a cup of coffee. And when Jenny hands him the coffee, he told her he felt sick, but he didn't want the doctor. And then he said, that drink I had, uh, and then he collapsed in convulsions. What? Yes. Crazy. Okay, hold on. I got to back up a little bit. For one, he was going to do a coffee chaser after a shot of bourbon. (laughs) He was like, something's weird with that drink. So, yeah. Right. So I'm going to wash it down with a coffee. (laughs) I'm I'm wondering if they knew something back then that we didn't know. Maybe you're supposed to start the day on a better note instead of coffee. 
with alcohol. Man, if that's what the ritual is, and over the years it's gotten handed down and they forgot the bourbon and everyone's just been doing coffee. No wonder we're in a pandemic. Well, I'm going to start tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) I'll begin my new ritual tomorrow. Yes. (laughs) So Jenny, the the housekeeper, she quickly calls Dr. Herman Bull and Samsung... Oh, this is going to be hard to say. (laughs) He called Samsung in Japan. He's like, yo, (laughs) what do we do about this shit? Except he's actually a she. Jenny quickly calls Dr. Herman Bull and Sam's son, Howard, both of who live nearby. They both arrived within 10 minutes, but it was too late to save Sam. Dr. Bull pronounced him dead of a heart attack. But Sam, yeah. Poor Sam. Sam's death was front page news and his funeral was claimed to be the largest Grand Junction had ever seen. He was a very well-known dude. His entire family was showered with condolences. All of them, that is, except for his wife, Maisie. Oh. Yeah. There's something there. Friends and family had not yet recovered from the shocking and sudden news that had happened just six weeks prior. Sam had eloped with Maisie Lightfoot on what seemed to be a whim, unexpectedly. Maisie was suspected of being a gold digger since she was 24 years younger than her new husband. (laughs) So she wasn't really accepted into the family. 24 years younger. 24 years, and he was 88. He was 88. So, I mean, she's not that young either. Yeah, she she is also not a, quote, spring chicken. (laughs) No. So, she's like a fall chicken. I don't know. That, she's a fall chicken. <laughs> they they do have them because I noticed at the, uh, we have bomb gars. I don't know if you guys have those out there. It's like a, um, well, probably because it's like ranch supply, but also hardware stuff. They have fall chickens right now. Yeah, we went to a tractor supply store, believe it or not. There's something we needed there. Tractors. <laughs> yeah, we needed a tractor. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there were, there were chickens and ducks. I know, the fall babies. Yeah, so <sighs> the spring? Ch- so she was a fall chicken. Anyway. So she was a fall chicken, yeah. Maisie, the fall chicken. Maisie, the fall chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam's family was shocked by the sudden nuptials, of course, but no one was more stunned than her fiancé of seven years, Roy Maxson. Wait, she she had a, a fiancé? Of seven years. Of seven years, but then up? The fall chicken up and married the spring chicken. Yes. So Roy Maxson is the great-grandfather of my friend who submitted the story. Roy himself learned of the marriage through the newspaper. Oh, oh man. Isn't that mean? Could you imagine his friends going, hey, man, remember that girl you're going to marry? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the story in the yeah. paper? <laughs> I know. That's cold. And Roy... Himself, He was a widowed peach farmer in Grand Junction, which is still known for his peaches, and now it's wine. Anyway, Roy had... <laughs> you can be okay? <laughs> no, I miss his peaches. God damn it. And now I have the presidents of the United States playing in my head. Millions of peaches. Peaches, peaches for me. Millions of peaches. <laughs> okay, sorry. Peaches for me. Yes. Oh, good song. Roy had three children he was raising on his own. While dating Maisie, who was also younger than him, he was in his 60s at the time, but nothing close to the age of the man in his 80s that Maisie would eventually marry. Well, I thought people back in the day got married younger. <laughs> These are yeah. a lot of people who are older. Yeah. 
And I think this most a- of them were widowed, it sounded like. Because it sounds okay. like Maisie had children as well, but not there. So they were grown. This is but- like a retirement home love trial. Yeah. That's what we got going down here. <laughs> totally, <Cool>. yes. <laughs> uh, so... From the stories Colleen heard, uh, Maisie had come from somewhere out east and was less than thrilled that with the farm accommodations Roy had offered her. Mm. Well, but it was okay enough to hang out for seven years? Yeah, yeah. like, uh, we'll hang out until I find something better. I don't know. An 88-year-old, Not maybe. Cool. Oh. Not <laughs> Mr. Burns. Ouch! I know. Ouch! How mm-hmm. bad when you're like, yeah, I'm ditching you for an 88-year-old. Mm. Oh, Oh, it had to hurt. Oh, here. Maisie was 54 (laughs) at the time of Sam's death. Thank you. Okay. She was a seamstress prior to the marriage and had somewhat of a reputation in town. I'd say. (laughs) But that was all the documentation I could find of it. So I'm guessing, you know, that they were putting it nicely. A polite way, probably, of saying she got around Mm -hmm. is my guess. Which, I mean, why not? If you're single, which she really wasn't because she was engaged to Roy for seven years. And it isn't like seven years, doesn't that uh, become common law marriage at that point? I don't know. Right. Uh, But maybe they have to be living together, I think, right? Oh, yeah. And who knows? Maybe they weren't. But it did seem she just wasn't happy with the accommodations that would be even worse if she she was living with him when she got up and married somebody else Uh, that would just be evil oh wow okay but her reputation apparently didn't even bother Roy who was purported to have been infatuated with Maisie oh there are reports that Maisie had told Roy she was going to Salt Lake City to help her daughter find an apartment as her excuse for leaving town when she was actually eloping with Sam no. <laughs> I'm going to Salt Lake to go help my daughter for the weekend. Oh my so God. that is cold. It's horrible. So Sam and Maisie had run off, in fact, to Aztec, New Mexico to get married with just Sam's son, Howard, in attendance. The announcement of the marriage was surprising as well to the Grand Junction High Society at the time. <laughs> I like how you did the air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> High Society of Grand Junction, Colorado. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. There was a great deal of gossip around Maisie, how she had gotten to know Sam. One story was that Maisie had asked Sam to give her bridge lessons. <laughs> you know, the game uh, bridge. That is code for something. I don't know what. I don't know. But- yeah. After, yeah, which things moved quickly and she seduced him into marriage. I'm sure it was really difficult. I'm sure it was yeah. really uh, a twist his arm. <laughs> Let's do some bridge together, baby. Let's right. play some exactly. bridge. Marry me and we will do bridge every night. <laughs> oh, gross. So, uh, but maybe she was just tired of waiting to marry Roy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, engaged for seven years. What's the deal with that? Well, that's true. Like, who was stringing who along? Yeah, I don't know. It does seem that Sam, the 88-year-old, was somewhat careful, though. He had Maisie sign a prenuptial agreement whereby she would receive $500 upon marrying him and then 75 bucks a month after that, along with a ritzy 1946 Nash touring car. Wait, she was going to get, like, like in the agreement, she was getting paid to get to marry him. Paid to marry him. And to, and to stay married to him. Yes. 
each month. Why didn't I think of this before I I got married? Freaking genius. Dang! I mean, that's like a pot of gold. Like, okay, I guess I'll do that. And at the time, I don't know what 75 bucks a month equaled, but it's got to be a lot back then. Right, it's got to be a lot more now. Yeah. Missed opportunity there. And a touring car. And a touring car. Yes. Right. Which must have been a big deal at the time. I know Colleen mentioned that Sam, the uh, rich dude, was known for having the first two-tone car in town, which was a big deal. (laughs) First two-toned car. It's not one, but two colors. (laughs) I know. Big deal. Oh, God. Okay. So after the break, you'll get to hear about anonymous letters that began arriving for Sam shortly after the marriage. And now back to the story. Shortly after the wedding vows of 80-something Sam and 50-something Maisie, anonymous letters began arriving at the newlyweds' home and at the home of Sam's son, Howard. Intrigue. Some of the letters described Maisie as a loose woman who had no love for Sam, would do him harm, and that Sam should get rid of her. Damn, that's Rid of those loose women, Sam. (laughs) Tie up your women. They're loose. (laughs) (laughs) She's loose all over the city. (laughs) Howard, the son of Sam... Son of Sam. Sam. (laughs) Wrong story. (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, Howard, he was freaked out by the letters, but his father, Sam, shrugged it off, claiming he'd never been happier. So what did he care? Which, yeah. Well, yeah. When you're 80 something and, you know, you're like, hey, I'm just kicking it as long as I can. Yeah. I'm getting the love of a younger woman. Doesn't matter to me. We're playing bridge nightly. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had more of an exciting life. Uh, so, but the natural assumption of all was that the letters came from the rejected lovelorn Roy. I mean, it makes sense, you know. It totally makes sense. So, in his will, Sam had left $3,000 and the new Nash touring car to Maisie, as, as his prenuptial had stated. He also left a large settlement to his housekeeper, Jenny, but the bulk of his substantial fortune was left to his two sons. One was named Bentley, a Denver attorney. And his other son was Howard. But, you know, I, I was thinking, like, why did the older son get the cool car name and and the second son ends up being called Howard instead of, like, Ferrari or Royce or <laughs> <laughs> something much cooler? I think that's a good question, although or I Nash. think Howard was a, was a cool name at the time. Howie. Wasn't it? Wasn't it a big name then? Probably. Howard? Howie. I think. Yeah. Howie. Howie. my baby Howie. <laughs> Howie. Oh, see, Bentley's so much cooler. And this is like this is Howard. Yes, this is my baby Howard. But <laughs> Bentley sounds so much cooler, and it sounds cool for now. Like it's modern. I totally agree. Yeah, it's 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 timeless, like this story. <laughs> exactly. I don't. I'm sorry, that was a weird tangent, but okay, it was just like <laughs> sorry. Poor, poor Howard. Maisie used her money to buy a small house and she moved out of Sam's house. And after the huge funeral and after Sam was put to rest, Howard and his wife moved into Sam's estate. And things seemed to be peaceful again. Jenny even agreed to stay on as the housekeeper until Howard and his wife got settled in. So that was kind of her. So I don't know if she's Mm -hmm. still cleaning house or what, but she even got a nice settlement so she can leave. Can retire. That'd be sweet. However, the peace that had come across the house was short-lived. On New Year's Eve, six weeks after Sam's death, Howard thought a toast was in order to celebrate the coming of the New Year, as one would. 
right? Okay. Yeah. Sure. So Howard prepared hot buttered rum for his wife and himself and Jenny. After one taste, Howard quickly dumped the drinks in the sink. None of them liked the taste. They thought it tasted suspect. Yes. Hmm. So he fixed fixed three more drinks, this time using the same bourbon Sam had drank the morning of his demise. Howard and his wife Emily took a sip, but before Jenny had a chance to take a drink of hers, Howard and Emily became violently ill. Jenny calls the family doctor who took the bottles of bourbon and rum, there were two different, rum and bourbon, to the state chemist in Boulder to be tested. And while the couple recovered, the bottles were found to all have poison. All of them did? All of them did. (gasps) So the buttered rum drinks also... Yes. It's where they could taste it in the rum, but they must have not been able to taste it in the bourbon. So that evidence, along with the disparaging anonymous letters, were turned over to the police. Because this whole time, they're still operating over with with the idea that he had a heart attack. Right. Like, uh, he's old. He died. <laughs> <laughs> move on, people. Move on. He's old. He died. Let's move on. But two months later... Because of this, Sam's body was exhumed and an autopsy was performed. A substantial amount of strychnine was found in his vital organs. So the police chief at the time named Joe Keith sounds so much like a uh, country singer, doesn't it? Joe Keith. Joe Keith? Yeah. 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 Isn't he on tour right now? <laughs> no, no, no one's on tour right now. Sorry. Uh, nobody's my bad. on tour. Nobody's on tour right now. No, virtual <laughs> tours. But Joe Keith, he decided to bring in the big guns. A special investigator from Denver. <laughs> Stop laughing. These are big guns in the West. Big guns right when I have a giant sip in my mouth. <laughs> okay. So he brings big guns. in. Go ahead. He, he brought in the big guns, this guy named Walter Byron, to help with the case. Walter was a hotshot detective who'd already solved six prior cases in the Grand Valley. He's a hotshot in the 40s. I know. <laughs> Thanks, Walter. So he comes in, he studies the handwriting in the the anonymous letters, and he begins a search for all the places that sold strychnine, specifically at drugstores. They quickly discover that Roy had purchased strychnine from Carlson's Drug in the nearby town of Clifton. Roy. Then Roy is arrested on suspicion of murder. The guy that arrests him was a friend of Roy's, according to Colleen, and he hated to do Uh it. That sucks. That Dude, totally sucks. I know that shit is already going down in your life. And you, I know. Now I also have to arrest you. Now I you. have to arrest you. I'm sorry. <laughs> when police told him that they knew about him purchasing strychnine just a few days before Sam's death, he had a good reason for it. Being a farmer, Sam said he often used the poison to control the, quote, varmints at the farm. Damn <laughs> <laughs> you be varmints. Could you be a little more specific on which these varmints are? Because I would say the guy who married the girl I was going to marry could be a varmint. He's kind of a varmint, too. Good point. That's a good varmint Same. control. Yes. Varmint it was funny because Co- Colleen even knew what varmints they... She said that weasels often dug into all the... Uh, what was it? Some Maybe irrigation lines. I can't remember, but yeah. Huh. Okay. So that he had to control the weasels. Which Sam might have been kind Again, of a weasel. Yeah. Sam could have been a weasel. <laughs> perspective. Yes. Yes. Perspective. Colleen also mentioned that they also told him that they determined he was the author of the anonymous letters received by Sam and Howard, and he didn't deny it. 
which is interesting. He did, however, vehemently deny his involvement in Sam's death. But he did admit to something a little bit scandalous. Oh? Yes. Roy admitted to his love for Maisie and that he peeped in the newlyweds' windows to watch Sam with his Maisie in a negligee singing on Sam's lap. Playing bridge. (laughs) Playing bridge. (laughs) I know. But he swore he never entered the home. And Colleen's account said that the police were able to match footprints outside of the window to Roy's. So I don't know if he did this often. How long were those? How long were those footprints there? What the hell? What? what? Maybe it was what? a nightly thing. I don't know. He had like the built-in shoe prints there because he did it every night, and so it, right? it really oh, sunk in. Okay, that was odd. Well, all right. <laughs> I love the details of this. The day after Roy's arrest, Maisie publicly confronted him at the police station. According to reports, it was a very dramatic display of Maisie yelling, pulling her hair, and ripping her blouse and denouncing Roy. (laughs) Wait, what? I'm picturing like a whole soap opera scene. Yes. Where like she slaps him and then throws water (gasps) in his face. Uh, But then you lost me at the part where she rips open her own shirt. (laughs) I don't know if she ripped it open, but she ripped her own blouse. I don't, I don't know. I'm still, she rips it open. Damn Roy. You know, Roy, if you thought you were ever going to have these again. (laughs) You shouldn't have killed my husband. You're wrong. What the hell? Oh God. I know. So good. So Roy was so disheartened by her display that he offered to plead guilty to spare her any more embarrassment. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The bitch who ditched you and got married when she said she was doing something else on the weekend mm-hmm. is embarrassed yes. because you've been accused of her husband's murder. So you're going to plead to murder Yes. To save her emba- What he needs is, is a therapist. He, he totally, he needs, he needs confidence. He needs a he confidence needs- boost. Damn. This poor guy. I know. Yeah. He needs a lawyer <laughs> and a therapist. And and uh, the therapist at you that froze. time was only a short three weeks later that Maisie herself was arrested for murder. Um, what? I guess they both could be arrested at the same time. She insists that she knows nothing about any poison or any plots to kill her husband, but the two would still have two separate trials. I don't know if laws were different back then, or they're just like, we're just going to arrest did, everybody. What did, wait, what? Did they have a, something on her to say that, what the motive? They didn't say anything unless they just had something they never released, but I'm guessing they, they felt like Roy wasn't as... Uh, as good of a suspect as they wanted, so they better just arrest them all and hope that one of them is the right one. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> we'll just throw them all in jail. One of them's got to we'll be guilty. Somebody's guilty. Tried here. separately, like they weren't being tried as like they did it together, like as a right. as a team. Nope, they're having two separate trials. But I know. Don't they cancel each other out? Like, can't they use each other as their, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, shadow of a doubt or whatever? They have to prove Uh, guilt beyond the shadow of a doubt. That doesn't make any sense. You can't try two people at the same time for the same murder. I I wouldn't think so. One poisoned the bourbon and the other one poisoned the rum. And they just happen to (laughs) have the same great idea. We really should have been married. We really should have been married. Because you and I were like 
you know, yeah. we're thinking. So, <laughs> they, they're like, yeah, we got this. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think times have changed. We really were meant to Those be. lost. I, okay. That's just weird. All right. So everyone's going right. to trial. Everyone's getting thrown in jail. Yeah, they would have two separate trials. Royals, Royals, Roy's <laughs> trial was set for October and the prosecution claimed it would be asking for the death penalty in his case. And when was her trial? It was going to be after his, but it hadn't been determined yet. A okay, date. But, so. but if he's found guilty, mm-hmm. then doesn't then her defense... Like, eh. right, doesn't her defense lawyer just go in and go, well, someone's already been convicted, so can we just have you this dismissed? <laughs> That's yeah. our defense. Yeah. Someone yeah. else did it. It would make sense. So, yeah. Oh my god, okay. Weird times. This would and... not stand up on Law & Order. I'm just saying. No, it wouldn't. So Maisie hired a well-respected lawyer as her counsel. However, after their first meeting, he turned the case over to a fellow lawyer at his firm who had just recently been hired, claiming Maisie's theatrics were too much for him. And he said, quote, boy, I'm too old for this. You take over, unquote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's an excellent quote. Did she like, did she also like rip open her shirt and go, I can't, I can't do this. I don't deserve this here. And she rips open her shirt. Like, is that just her way of expressing herself? Is she just rips open her shirt every time? She she is highly dramatic. She should have been on soap operas. Possibly (laughs) the very original days of our lives. There you go. Right. Would have loved to have one of the originals. Right. Yes. Oh God. Okay. So decades after the murder, Maisie's attorney said he never did believe she was guilty, saying, why would she kill the golden goose? Which is true. Wait, and is he a spring chicken? Is he a goose? Can we decide what? <laughs> He's some foul. <laughs> He's, He's just foul. <laughs> He's just foul. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, and this lawyer, I love this, because he also didn't respect her very much as when he went to visit her in jail, for their first meeting, he claims she greeted him in a negligee. So you weren't very what? far off. Wait, where does one get a negligee in jail? What in jail. Hell? This no. was a soap opera. That's the only place you see a negligee in jail. Like, what? No. Maybe she was very, um, the orange jumpsuits could be converted for nighttime. Well, yeah. <laughs> what? I, I'm like trying to picture like, like she tries to meet with him and she tries to rip open the orange jumpsuit, but it doesn't have the same effect because it doesn't have like the delicate buttons. So she's just like pulling at it and it's just, it falls flat. I, the Velcro. Uh, wait. Maybe it had a zipper? I don't know. <laughs> I, hmm. oh, where the hell would she get a negligent? I know. My guess is they, it wasn't common practice to put them in jail clothes at that time. Okay, maybe that was it. I maybe. just. And so she had her whole wardrobe in jail with her. Let me this put on my nighty for so this meeting. Weird. This is I so know. weird. Okay. <laughs> I love it. All right, keep going. But yes, after the break, we'll learn about an outcome of the trials for Roy and Maisie because we need a break after all the negligees. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> So I know we've been telling you guys for a while about the shop in Northern Colorado called Thistle. It's also online and you guys, there's so much stuff that's about to launch before the holidays. Yes, I am super thankful for the guy section with so many unique finds. The men in my life are so difficult to buy for. I always find something they love at Thistle. 
Me too. There's literally something for everyone, even kiddos. And with the holidays just around the corner, now is the time to snatch up goodies before they're gone. Thistle loves ODFM so much that they are offering our listeners 10% off their purchase when using the code ODFM at checkout. That's at thistlewellington.com. That's T-H-I-S-T-L-E-W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. Or pop by in person in downtown Wellington, Colorado. And now, back to our story. And now back to our story. <laughs> a few... <laughs> okay, so a few nights after her arrest, Maisie was taken to St. Mary's Hospital, where both of my kids were born, by the way. Oh, get out! That <laughs> uh, crazy, I know. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> so after police had given her truth serum, what? sodium pentothal... She was taken to St. Mary's Hospital. Was that also Ma- poisoned? <laughs> I, I have no idea, but <laughs> Maisie's attorney wasn't present during the administration of the truth serum, so anything she said during that was inadmissible in court. Is that like their version so, of doing a um, lie detector test? Lie detector? I think so. They gave her sodium pentothal and she didn't do well on it, so she had to go to the hospital. Oh my god, she was just spewing out things and ripping off clothes. Yeah, she said all sorts of stuff during it, which nobody knows, because it never got released, and apparently that statement that she had given had been pivotal for the prosecution. But now it's inadmissible because she didn't have her lawyer there. I know. Meanwhile... Roy's trial has started to a crowd that was standing room only. The seats were so in demand that people brought their lunches with them so that they didn't lose their seats if they tried to get up. Well, there was no court TV back then. <laughs> no, you had no. <laughs> so there's no court TV back then. So you can't like, you know, live str- on, on your computer at work. Not that. <laughs> Not that anyone that For say like that. the Casey Anthony case or. Um, yes. I never did that or no uh, like Drew you would never or no mm-mm. anyway so you had to go in person and you, you had to and bring maybe maybe you even wore a diaper at times so that you didn't have to lose your seat <laughs> okay just you saying. may have taken it a little further than I would have but oh. okay that's just you know okay you know dedication it Dedic- right. dedication you have to be dedicated if you if you're gonna go sit in these Fingerprint analysis was done on the 19 anonymous letters Sam and Howard had received. I had no clue it was that many until later. 19? Dang. A lot of letters about that loose woman. (laughs) But apparently not enough characteristics of the fingerprints matched Roy's fingerprints to determine that they were his. So they couldn't prove they were his, but the whiskey bottle was not tested for prints, which is weird. That seems like a should know, okay. failure. Roy ended up taking the stand in his own defense, which, you know, you always hear you should never do. It's a huge right. no-no. But maybe uh, but it's in because this case, people used to, and they're like, well, that failed. That's true. Maybe, <laughs> and he's maybe one of those test cases. Yeah. <laughs> he, here's one of those examples. <laughs> it could be. But in this case, it worked in his favor. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. He had refused to testify directly against Maisie, but he did say that she had asked him to take the blame for the murder. Probably from that display, the public display. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Damn it, Roy! Right, you can't exactly. have these bosoms. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what she would say at that time. Right, exactly. Right. Okay, that's very okay. 1940s. So after the two-week trial, 
was finished, jurors claimed there wasn't enough evidence placing Roy at the McMullen house and no evidence that he knew where the whiskey was kept, so he was acquitted of all charges. Apparently, he couldn't see the whiskey from the window. Where from he the window. That's, that's the thought I had. I was right? like, maybe he's watching them and he's like, oh, this is where the whiskey goes. Right. Interesting. I don't know. But because Roy had been acquitted, Maisie's charges were also dropped. Wait, he, that doesn't work. Uh, no, I know. Because Roy was like, acquitted, then somebody else had to have done it. It's not... you. I know. I'm wondering if they hinged on the other. I have no idea. The district attorney felt that they couldn't get a conviction against Maisie if Roy couldn't be convicted because they had even less evidence against her than they had for Roy. Okay. (laughs) I don't understand. First, everybody did it, and now no one did it. Right. (laughs) Well, if you didn't do it, then she definitely didn't do it. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) But after a year of sensational headlines and the resulting trial, police didn't investigate any further and no one else was ever prosecuted for the murder. But there were some other theories that others could have been culpable for Sam's murder. Okay. And these theories were kind kind of good. One theory was that Jenny the housekeeper had poisoned the whiskey because she was angry that Sam hadn't married her and she probably would have known as she had a substantial inheritance coming. I, well, yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like... I, I just wondered because, like, she had access. She knew he always had that. Uh, right. You know, the, the whiskey in the morning. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Clue. Hello. Um, I just wondered. I didn't know what her motive could have possibly have been, but... True. Um, and I, I never found anything pointing to them having a romantic relationship of any right. kind, but... Maybe she had offered to teach him bridge, and he turned her down. <laughs> he was like... And she was like, (laughs) (laughs) you suck at bridging. I can't. Okay. All right. So she was, okay. So she was, but nothing happened to that. Okay. Interesting. There was another theory. Well, Sam was the owner of two savings and loans companies. So he was not just a lawyer. He also owned a lot of companies and he had foreclosed on a lot of farmers and ventures during the great depression. So he had no lack of enemies. And in fact, he had even been shot at. Dang. He wasn't well-liked anyway. So it could have been someone random. Huh. But would they have known more about where he keeps his whiskey? Who knows? I mean, if he entertains. And another theory was that his son Howard wanted to get his inheritance and was worried his dad would change the will to give it all to Maisie. So may have staged the New Year's Eve drinking incident to cast suspicion on Maisie. So that's another good theory. Interesting. Oh, but the one that tickled my fancy the most. <laughs> oh, God. I guess. <laughs> I'm waiting. In 1940s, elderly men were known to add a bit of strychnine to their whiskey as an aphrodisiac similar to Viagra's effect no. today. No, 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 no. Are you serious? So, <gasps> yes. So the thought was that Sam had forgotten that he had added it to the whiskey and he drank more than he should have inadvertently poisoning himself. Okay, that's my favorite. That <laughs> is by far my favorite. I, I, I'd like to go with that theory oh, as well. I, Isn't it so good? Dumbass. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I need to get my, my romance on at night. Right. And, well, you know, when oops. you're 80-something, sometimes you need a little help. True. Playing bridge. Yeah. You know? it's yes. you Sometimes you forget that you were planning on playing bridge. Right. You know, I mean... I, uh, I'm gonna just stop with so many good things could come from that. Strychnine but yeah, nine was used like Viagra. Yes. Oh my 
Yeah. Just like little minuscule amounts of it. Mm -hmm. And men would take it because hell. So what if it's poison? Yeah. I need to play bridge. I just can't. I need to play bridge. I just, you know, I need to play bridge. Uh, that one tickled my fancy. That's so excellent. <laughs> yes, so good. Colleen herself had never heard the story about her grandpa or Sam McMullen until she was in high school and the news did an article about it. Oh, get out. Isn't that crazy? So her grandma, who was Roy's daughter, was heartbroken. She was so sad that it had been brought back up. She had adored her dad and seeing his name slung in the mud again was like, too much for her. She was sad. But Colleen said she went to a museum. There's this museum in downtown Grand Junction with the Western history of that area. In the museum on display, they have the actual liquor bottle and Roy's shoe (laughs) on display. The the one that stood outside the window? (laughs) Yeah. The shoe? The shoe. I know. Just one. Isn't that funny? Oh, that's I feel like I need to go over there and see it. I mean, I've been to that museum before, but you know, now that we know the story. But now it means something to you. I know. They have the poison oh, bottle. That's the crazy. The poison bottle and the shoe. The shoe. So that is the tale of uh, Sam McMullen. Oh, I'm so glad she sent in that story. That's a good one. Isn't that, that a great that was a good one. story? Um, I love it. I, 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 so many opportunities to create stickers. So I know. Many. And I even have photos that go along with these. And Maisie does not seem the type that was a loose bridge player in my opinion <laughs> loose bridge player. <laughs> she's not what i would have envisioned as interesting this negligee wearing does she have nice bosoms i could not tell from the photos uh, hmm, okay hmm, okay she seemed she was a little more man- manly flashing them everywhere maybe that's why she, she was flashing yeah. them so much i am maybe. a woman she was Let like yeah prove it to you let me show you because in the photos, she, she's a little more masculine seeming. So now I understand why she was always flashing her boobs and uh, wearing yes. negligees. Because she was trying to <laughs> emphasize, I am not a man. <laughs> Don't look at my face. Look here. <laughs> There's a book that I checked out online by Kate Ruland Thorne called Historic Tales of Colorado's Grand Valley. There is a website, thehistoric7thstreet.org, and of course, my friend Colleen's first person account. Oh, yeah. From you the can't story get better than that. that. No, it was freaking awesome. fantastic. <laughs> I loved that story. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love it. I know. I love the history. So uh, much fun. Two tone cars. Two tone cars. Poison. Viagra. Strychnine. <laughs> All the things. All of it. And now I'm going to start using bourbon first thing in the morning. I'll let you know how that goes tomorrow. (laughs) You're back in bed by noon. (laughs) Right? Exactly. (laughs) Okay, but uh, we work till five. I'll see you tomorrow. No. I'll tomorrow. Maybe at midnight. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have any other stories you would like us to tell in our very professional manner, um, (laughs) please feel free to send them in to our um, email, odfmpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Facebook or whatever. Or if there's a well-known story that you're like, I would love to hear you guys rip this one apart. 
could you please talk about so-and-so? You know. We will be happy to do so. We are down with that. We are totally down with that. See you next week. see images from this story, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ODFM Podcast, or on our website at odfmpodcast.com, where you'll also find a link to our merch store, where you can get awesome stuff like t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and more. And if the weekly podcast just isn't enough to fill your ODFM cup full, join our fan club on Patreon for more content like minisodes, bloopers, and discounts at our merch store. That site is patreon.com slash ODFM podcast. And if you do love our bloopers and need more than we naturally do, which is a lot, buy us a glass of wine at buymeacoffee.com slash ODFM podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful.